A sweet friendship refreshes the soul. Proverbs 27, 9. This is Life in Perspective, Episode 10, A Conversation with My Tribe. This is us. Let's get it. Yo, this is episode 10, and what you guys are about to experience is a conversation I had with two of my best friends, Dana Nicole and Stephanie E.K. If you've been consistently listening to the podcast, you've heard me mention my friends often. And so I just wanted to invite you guys into one of my safe spaces and to prove to you how important your tribe is in discovering your purpose and putting your life in perspective. Now, I just wanted to warn you, we tried our best to be as serious as possible, but if we were not our full authentic selves, this would not matter. And so I just wanted you guys to check it out. Here it is. Hi guys! Hey everybody. Hola, 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 hola. I'm so excited. So this is Life in Perspective. It's episode 10. Oh my. Everybody clap. Clap. New metal, ten, ten episodes. I thought it was gonna stop at eight, and to think you didn't even want to do one. So I did talk about that. God is great. He is amazing. The Lord is really good. No, I'm so happy y'all here with me. It feels so happy. I feel so happy. Okay, so how are y'all doing? You know. Pandemic, global pandemic, civil unrest. Civil unrest. How's how's life going? Put it in perspective for us. Pastor Stephanie. Pastor Dana. (laughs) Pastor Dana. You know what? Um, No, it's it's interesting though, because you know, I think was was it Will Smith that shared um that this is not new, this is just being filmed, something like that. And so it's almost like this wound that has been covered with a Band-Aid for so long. And right now we're just seeing the Band-Aid being ripped off. And, you know, but I think when you have these images like in front of you, right, you, there's no running away from your pain. There's no running away from how you process it anymore. And I think for such a long time, we've been good with just running um, and just the trauma that it brings up. You know, I know Brenda, I was sharing with you how when I saw, I think the one that hit me the hardest was uh, Rashad Brooks. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, at, at, at the time, I didn't know why it hit me so hard, but then I saw myself in his kids, you know, his his daughter, not like wow. she just celebrated her birthday with her father, and now he was murdered by mm-hmm. police. And thinking of me as a baby, having my father being murdered, and we don't think about the impact it has on the next generation. Like his three children just lost their dad. Myself and my two brothers lost my dad in that moment that he was murdered by, you know, gunshot. And so we, you, you start seeing yourself and you just have to really now start unpacking your own pain um, and just, you know, in a healthy way, but it's a lot going on. And I think to Pastor Therese's point is the year of revealing. <laughs> How about you, Dana Nicole? Um, I mean, I shared a little more recently. I think 
because of the way that I grew up, I was in schools where I was the only black kid and I lived in areas and neighborhoods where my mom was like, no matter who, whatever room you walk into, you are to walk in with confidence and demand respect in every space. And so for me growing up, I personally didn't feel if I if I were being, you know, racially profiled or whatever, I never felt it. I was it was all benumb, unbeknownst. Mm-hmm. I never knew or felt it firsthand. And so even when like all this stuff happens, like it because it it's not like these these are just these just been revealed. It's actually been happening. It's yeah. every other day you're scrolling over something that's happening. But I think Ahmad triggered something for me. And I think there's a a fraction of us black people who are kind of like me where, cause I know that there are everybody else who has had a gun put out on them when they got pulled over or has, you know, been profiled mm-hmm. or has, you know, you're in a great, a nice store and somebody says, you know, we don't really service you here or we don't have a layaway plan or something like that. You know, those things happen every day. They've never happened to me. So there's a fraction of us who's never really even felt it firsthand. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the first time ever in my life where not that I realized I was black, but I was afraid of my skin color. Like I was afraid of what it carries. And it was like for the first time in my life, like any any time in history I've ever been pulled over for speeding or not put on a signal or something. I've always been like, Lord, please, please, Lord, don't let me get this ticket. Lord, if you love me, they'll let me not get this ticket. For the first time this year, it was not, Lord, don't let me get this ticket. It's God, please don't let me die. Mm-hmm. Never in my life have I ever prayed a prayer like that. And so, I don't know, like, I feel like I'm wrapping my mind around that reality, praying into it, you know, not allowing myself to succumb or accept that fear mm-hmm. and understand that though it is a probability in the world that I serve a God who's bigger than all of this stuff and resting in that truth rather than the truth of what we see. So it's, it's been a battle. Some days yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm covered. The next day I'm like, oh, I'm black. You know? <laughs> yeah. So no. it's finding that balance, really. Yeah, no, that's how I feel like, which is how the podcast came back, because I feel like I'm used to dealing with my emotions, like just internalizing them. And I think I was doing that, like seeing everything and I was taking it on and not having like a way to express how I was feeling. So like to Stephanie's point, it's like you have to learn how to like process your feelings and how we're seeing like we're experiencing trauma. And I think it's also bringing up more trauma. And so it's like we never learned how to process trauma this time. It's tough. It's like, I don't know to do with all of this, but it, it helps to like talk about it. Yeah, so like it's coming hard. Like it's not like we get a break. It's no. like one after, after the another next, after the other. But while we're just now processing everybody running for a mod, now we're posting about Brianna Taylor and now we're posting about, you know, Elijah. We're posting about all of these names. And then I, I it hit me almost I just like broke down when somebody posted and like I reposted it, but it was like all of the names. But what I, what I love though is like is that we're we're not there's something different in this time you know we're not letting it go we're not because the truth is when it's your I mean there's always that argument right like think of it like if it was your brother or your sister absolutely but, yeah 
And this time, the beauty is, first of all, this person, this is a human, <laughs> but now we're really seeing that person yeah. as us. It's not just, yeah. like, oh, if that was your extended part mm-hmm. of yourself mm-hmm. or if this was someone you love, but it's like, no, I'm seeing me. I'm feeling yeah. I'm, I'm not feeling, thinking, I'm feeling yeah. it. Like I'm, I'm, we're, we're carrying on the same worries and, and, and concerns when it's like driving, jogging. These are things we all do, you know? So I think the beauty of it, and I think the most powerful thing about compassion is seeing yourself in their shoes directly. Yep. You know? And I think that's what's driving the whole world to come together and say, let's wake up and let's actually be love. You yeah. know? And I think love. the amazing thing about it is that like the pandemic helped it. Oh, yes. oh yeah. Sure. Ne- there's nothing else in the world going on to distract that Black Lives Matter. It's like we could usually have sports going on during this time. It's the summer. Like it's so many things, but it's like, no, we are now forced to sit, look at this and deal with it. And so yep. it's like, one of the amazing things that I feel have come out of the pandemic is like it's forcing us to genuinely like look and feel and just explore all of the things. Um, I think which kind of leads me to like what we're going to talk about today is just like purpose. And I think for the pandemic, because it's such like a pause moment, it's helped us, I think, hone in on what purpose is and like what our role is in the world in a response to what's going on in the world, not just in like the now time, but moving forward to the future. And so like, how has the pandemic impacted your purpose? Like pandemic, civil unrest, like the time that we're in now, what has it shown you about purpose? Whoever wants to answer. <laughs> Dana, you look like you Wait, master. How about you? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Pastor Brenda. Hello. Hello. Brenda. Tell me. Tell me. Brenda Palmer. No. <laughs> We're all Oprah on here. We all got questions, okay? But you can't just keep keep putting them on us. I am. No, I mean, um, how would I answer this? I guess, you know, I would say, (laughs) I think, um, I think the pandemic helped me realize, I guess, I guess kind of what my purpose is. I guess, um, I feel like I learned the importance of my voice and how important it is to use it. And so, at the start of the pandemic, I launched a podcast, but I definitely didn't see it being like what it is. Like 10th episode, almost 3,000 downloads. Not at all. And so it's like, it's bigger than the podcast because I think through the podcast, God is like showing me how important my voice is and how connected to purpose it is. Because the two weeks that I took off, I literally felt so unfulfilled. Like I would just tell Stephanie, like, I really like, don't feel like doing nothing, but feel like I should be doing something, but I can't do nothing. (laughs) And I'm like, God, what is this? And he like, I already gave you something to do. Like, so it was less about the podcast, but more about like not not walking in purpose, I guess. Mm. I love that. I think even for me, I think the beauty of purpose is like the seed of purpose is such a foresight. Yeah. And so when you have moments like this, what it does is that it speaks to what you've known. 
And so when God places, because within every human being, like God already understood who you were called to become that the world needed. And so there is that seed of the knowing of your identity that exists deep in your spirit. And so there are things that now have to happen in life. Cause I just think about even, even like the, 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 you know, the process of being brought into the world, like that birthing moment where there's contractions and it's not the prettiest time, but that is the moment where the child that you've known has been in you, growing in you, is now coming out. And so I think that that transition of, you know, guessing, knowing, becoming, there's world contractions that happen. And so when we see times like this, where there's the world is in contraction and the world is shaking up, it starts, it brings that which you've always known you know, the things that have been, you've wondered, like you're second guessing, you're wondering, but then in those moments, God is like, well, now you are becoming, now I'm going to bring this to become. So I think that that in itself is so powerful to me that it already in its nature, it's a foresight of what is to come. And so when what your purpose is called to speak to starts happening, now you're just being awakened to the truth that you've always known about yourself and you can easily, um, you know, find how you navigate the seasons in your truth. So I think for me, that's really what it's been. Um, they're just like the more you see the issues you're called to, the more you become. And so that's been just the beauty. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, for me, I think it's it, it's partnered with both of what you guys mentioned. I think it's like when I think of purpose, I, I've learned over time that it's ever evolving and it, it takes on new shapes, new waves and kind of to the point that you were making, Pastor Steph, is that it's it literally will adjust to your surroundings. It's now evolving. Like on that level, it was this. And on this level, it's this. And on this level, it's this. It's all of those secrets and, and whispers and desires that you have when you were a child, what you want to do in the world. And now the world is crying out for us and it's an opportunity for you to partner all of those desires with the will of God concerning your life. And I think that's what's happening for me now. Like prior to like the shut, the actual shutdown of the pandemic, God called me to fast. And in that fast, he revealed to me like the next level. Cause one would hear what I heard and say, oh, this is it. Mm -hmm. This is why I was created. But the reality is everything that I've ever done was the reason why I was created. This is just the next level. And I think um, from that space, it's like, okay, ooh, this is the next thing. And, but when we start shutting down and oh, I'm like, God, you still are <laughs> How are we going to do this, Lord? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, it's on purpose. And I think it's not just me. There are so many people, like if you look at just the statistics and history, so many things are birthed out of pandemics and the world is shut down. People have time to think and create and build, be creative, do things. And I think that's kind of what's happening to me. I've been able to hone in and center myself and literally listen to the voice of God, hear what he has to say concerning the next like 10 years of my life. Yeah, no, that is so funny about like times of struggle that like literally birth people who are supposed to change the world. Cause it's like all the people in the Bible were answers to problems. And yeah. so it's true. It's like right before this time, we were all talking about like, I think this God wants me to do this and God wants me to do that. And it's like a pandemic. It's like, 
God, how? <laughs> how? And it's like, it's like, no, this is perfect. He's like, now I'm now creating a platform for that thing to stand on. And it's like, but if we don't see it properly, it's like, this is not making sense. It's like, you can start a podcast, talk about life and perspective. And civil unrest hit, I said, I don't have anything to say about this. <laughs> like, um, I'm going to sit this one out and then I'm going to come back. <laughs> and it's like, no. When this passes. Yeah, like when this passes, 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 like, so if it passes, it's like you missed. And I feel like God designed seasons and moments that our purpose are attached to. But if we don't see it properly, we'll miss it. So for somebody, I'm asking the questions again. So for someone who feels like, you know, maybe their purpose or what they feel like God, they feel drawn to. Not necessarily that it's something that is being affirmed by God, but that it's something that they're being called to. Like, how, what are, what are the steps? Like, when did you guys, when were you able to define, okay, this is purpose. Like, this is what I was born and created to do. I feel like he plans things in your heart mm-hmm. from age. And usually what you're inclined to the most, well, I mean, cause I can't really describe or, or, you know, put in perspective everybody's experience. All I can do is describe mine. And from since a, like a very, very, very young age, I've always had this inclination or this desire or this pull to my voice. When I was young, though, it, it, it's always been influence. And from a young age, initially, my first desire was to be a teacher. But that's influence. And then it was like, oh, but I know how to sing. And then I started singing. And it's like, OK, well, then I'll teach people about worship because I'm singing worship. Like It was all kind of intertwined. And then I love Tony Braxton. So I would do like shows and things performed for my family. And, and But that's at like five and seven and eight. and at just a very young age and so over time it just kept evolving and evolving and evolving and when everything around like because i'm also a hairstylist and i can't do that well but what pulls me is using my voice and singing and but hair is an influence too so it's like what has drawn me the most or what has pulled on me the most is using my voice in the way of singing and so i mean that's the only way that i can describe it what what pulls you the most and don't be afraid to try it even if you do it and it's trash whatever god is calling you to the first time it'll pull you to something else <laughs> like don't be afraid to follow what's doing you um that's the only advice i would give yeah, I think one of the things I really believe and stand on is that whatever your purpose is in life, it creates room for others to thrive. And so there, so underneath that or layered within it, or what is the makeup of it is service. You know, so in whatever manner that you find yourself able to serve the being of someone else. And so for many, there are people who feel called to be mothers, you know, because they feel like everything of who they are, there's purpose in being a mother. You are 
you're, you're entrusted by God to serve who God has called this child to become. You know, there are people that feel called in the police department. You know, there are people that feel called in, what well, in however have you, like even a gardener could feel like there is a calling for me in this because it's not only what you do, but it's how you serve the person behind what you do. And so I really believe that, I think that there's a lot of, because of the glorification of purpose, yeah. there's a lot of pressure that people have when it comes to finding their purpose. Because there's this idea that if my purpose does not look like the limelight, then God, what is it? God, I need you to help me understand my purpose. And your purpose can look like the limelight. Your purpose can look like behind the scenes. Because at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with any of that. It just has to do with your service. How has that called you to serve on the earth? And that is always evolving at different levels and different stages of your life. And so I would just say to anyone who feels like they're questioning or they're wondering, God, what is my purpose? How can you serve? Right where you are, how can you serve? In what manner can you serve? How can you be part of an organization? How can you serve? with your finances how can you serve with your kindness how can you serve with your love you know and just in your family how can you serve you know your patience is service and so i think that it's just funny because even when the bible talks about the fruits of the spirit and dana is going to come back but the fruits of the spirit is like love joy all these beautiful things patience but the spirit is God. And so the fruits of the spirit is also his way of service. And so even if you're thinking like this, you're going crazy because you cannot like make up what your purpose is. I think look at the fruits of the spirit and think about how you can serve in that light. How can I serve with being more patient? It's not this big mysterious thing. It unfolds as you submit to who just God is. Brenda, no, would you like you to answer that question? <laughs> no, I was just going to piggyback what you said about serving. Because I think, honestly, that purpose is discovered through serving. Like, I feel oh, like yeah. I definitely, like, started to figure... Because I used to, like... I used to always be like, man, I don't know what my purpose is. I feel like it's a churchy thing. It's like, what's your purpose? It's like, I don't know. And then I feel like there's all this pressure to figure out purpose, but nobody can really give you steps to discover it. It's like, what? But I feel like the moment I started serving, then I feel like things started to pull me. Like I got pulled in certain directions. And I think sometimes we focus on um, like the manner of it. So it's like, if you sing on the worship team, you'll think, oh, my purpose is to be a worship leader. Instead of figuring out what is it about the gift that Mm -hmm. is really where your purpose is found. And so it's like, and I think for me, that, that I think that was what was tough because it was like, I like to do all of these things, but for some reason for me, because it wasn't churchy, I didn't feel like it was purpose. And so I think I think that's where a lot of people struggle and they say, oh, I don't know what my purpose is when they really do. It's just, it's not necessarily defined in this box that everybody thinks it is. Oh, I, can, I wholeheartedly agree because I feel like that's why when I'm talking to someone, it's always like you live 
literally could be called to a nine to five. You could be called to, uh, you know what I mean? Like everybody mm-hmm. thinks it's supposed to be this glamorous. If my name is not in lights, this isn't divine purpose. Even as a worship leader, people think, well, the end all be all is being on the biggest stage and having the number one billboard worship record of all time. Like, no, it's not. It could be just serving faithfully right where you are in the house that God assigned you to. It could be not as big or not, you know what I mean? It, but everything is big when you're fulfilling the will of God. Like everything is big. All of it is, every moment is a big moment. And so it's like, it's not going to look like the person to the left or the person to the right. You putting out that one record might be your purpose fulfilled, you know what I mean? Versus a 20 year long journey in the music industry. But if God called you to do that one thing, then that indeed is your purpose. So yeah, comparison is, Mm -hmm. it's even these moments, like these are the moments where you know, like if you can laugh freely and there are no boundaries and the vulnerability is easy for you, you are in the right circle. There is no comparison in this group, but each of us carry something incredible, phenomenal. And where there is no comparison, you can hold someone accountable. Like if I'm not comparing myself to Steph, I can say, Steph, uh, you could have went a little harder and that, you know what I mean? Or you could have pushed, no, reach for this person, keep going beyond your limitations. But where there is comparison, people are low key wishing you don't don't do well Mm -hmm. and it's because um by default without even really knowing it you know what i mean because in in some way or shape or form you're wishing that you had what they have yeah they don't have something kind of simultaneously no that's actually real like that's real because you if i'm comparing myself to you there is a level that i don't want you to win because so, so it's like i don't you never gonna be like reach your full potential because i'm hoping you don't because <laughs> then, then it's like i'm not and i think that's i think that that again to our friendship like i feel like you should be able to pinpoint like, okay, this is my tribe and this is how I've grown since then. And so I think for me, I can like trace the growth, right? I can trace the accountability. I can trace the like calling me out on my crap, like bring to get your life together. Like I can trace that. And I feel like that's very important to purpose because it's like, there are people I believe that are attached to your purpose and they're like designed to get you from point A to point B. And I think if you are around the wrong people, there are some people who take you from point B to point A. And it's like, I think you have to be very intentional when you're selecting people on the journey of purpose. I think that for people too, you know, because there, there is healthy, I mean, comparison itself is never healthy, mm-hmm. but there is, but I think that when there is being inspired by someone that easily turns to comparison when it comes from a broken place. You can, there are people in your life that you can be inspired by, but whenever, and I think it's just just a tactic of the enemy and sometimes just even the lack of self-awareness when we find ourselves in those moments where we're like, man, I should be doing, I should do this, I should have been doing this better, I should be 
doing this, I should be doing that. Now, because you're beating yourself up, because some people watching this, you know, I think self-awareness is the most powerful thing in life, you know, because that already is, I mean, you will always present yourself for healing, you know, like, okay, something is wrong here, I need to heal this. But, you know, one of the things that we, because it's not just comparison, right? We always talk about like, okay, you know, if you have people around you that are like that, that's not your tribe. But at some point in life, every human being has been that person where like, that's not your tribe. And so I think that when we look, when we go to the root of it, and the root of it is an unhealthy relationship with your progress. Mm -hmm. And so you have to embrace where you are, the journey you're on, um, not beat yourself down about the things you haven't done or the things you have the potential to do because you're alive, you know? And so when you have friends, I think that is the root. Like when you have friends that encourage and speak life into you, that already, I mean, it kills every plan of the enemy to say, oh, you should be better off. You should be doing this because at any point, any human being is, is, I mean, you are vulnerable to this. If you ever give in to the narrative of, you know, my life is not where it should be or um, like you, you start, you know, shame or guilt. If you ever give into that, the byproduct is comparison. Comparison is not the root cause. It is only the symptom of something else. And so with friendships, so there are people in your yeah. group right now, they may have jealousy issues, but I'm someone that I'm not very quick to cancel a person out of my life simply because of the issues you see. I think that as a friend, you have to also know, like, what kind of friend have I been to that person? You know, yeah. I've been a healthy friend to you to encourage you during those broken moments in your life. And, you know, maybe the relationship is toxic. I walk away. But yeah. I think that we have a responsibility to ourselves and to our friends to be that source of life to say, hey, you know what? You could be doing more, but trust, you know, just that, that trust relationship with the Lord that if I could have been doing more, I would have. There was something that stopped me. Like there was something, whether I needed to heal, I needed to become whole, I needed to be, to become, whatever the case was, I'm exactly where I should be. Because if I should, it's just like when people say, you know, if you know better, you do better. But you that's not better. true. Because sometimes you know better, you don't do better because there's still a root issue that you're healing from. So yeah, don't beat yourself down. So I think when it when it comes to comparison, I think you have to have a healthy relationship with your progress in life. And when you do that, and when the people around you they have that healthy relationship with wherever they are, then that can never show up in your life. Mm -hmm. Just for everyone, just embracing that because the truth is, you know, someone watching could be that very person who it's hard for them to go on social media or it's hard for them to. Um, celebrate their friends and it's not because of your friends it's that you have to go back within and say am I okay with where I am and you have to be if yeah. you could do more you would be <laughs> so be okay with your growth and be okay with your pace yeah how how do you how do you learn to settle with being okay with where you are and and I say that because it's like that's 
obviously being self-aware, but there's a process to get to there. Especially I'm a person who struggles with like, I can't get on social media because I can't even chase what's in my heart because I'm seeing, I'm seeing it. And I feel like, oh, I don't live up to that. Or I don't measure up to that. Or I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be, but it's an oversaturated space. And I don't know where I fit. Like what's the process with being okay with where I am and being okay with starting where I am? I think it really boils down to how much you trust what God has placed inside of you. And I think really more than what God has placed inside of you, how much you trust God, because if he, if he says something, it's not maybe almost kind of, it's a definite. And so when you understand when God speaks something over your life, if he tells you, Dana, Brenda, Stephanie, I need you to do this tomorrow at three o'clock, right? You go on social media and you see that day, 17 people do the same thing that God just told you to do tomorrow at three o'clock. You have to trust that because God gave you a specific time or God gave you a thing, tomorrow at three o'clock is the divine and perfect time for you to do that. It's just kind of like people say, why are you in the hair business? It's a billion hair, blah, 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 blah. If God said it, then I'm supposed to go there and I have equity there and there's going to be something different in what I'm I'm putting out than what was ever put out, even though it's oversaturated. It's never oversaturated when you're called to it, okay? But there will always, 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 always be room for your gift. If God calls you industry, calls you to write a book, your book is the book that is needed. Like, just because it's 150 relational step books, if God calls you to write a book about relationships, trust him. Imagine Devon Franklin and Megan Good not writing the book on that's basically a principle in the Bible. <laughs> but, it, oh, it's already written, so it doesn't matter. No, but imagine had they not. So I just feel like it's not about you trusting what's in you. It's not about you trusting. that Sometimes what's in us isn't even enough. And so you have to trust the God who is or, or empowering you and giving you authority in a space that he's calling you to. It's trust with God first. No, that's I, no, that's so true. And I feel like sometimes you have to like go after it without knowing. Like, cause absolutely perfect example was like right at the top of the pandemic and God says, have a worship night. <laughs> and I was like, no, what are you saying? Like, what are you talking about? Like, it was so like out of my comfort zone. So like, I don't even know. But I feel like in that moment, God showed us a lot or prepared us a lot for the time that we're in now. And I feel like it was also less about the thing, more about the step of obedience. And so I say that to say, when you're struggling with going after that thing that God is telling you to do, think less about the thing and more about the step of obedience. Because it literally, you could do something and it could flop. It could not be great, but it's God is honoring the obedience. And I think, Dana, we were talking about this the other day. It's like God wants to know if I, there's a scripture that says, be faithful over a little. I'll make you ruler over much. God wants to know if you can take the step when nobody's watching. So when you got to take it, when everybody's watching, you'll have enough in you to take it. You'll have enough faith to be like, oh, and, it, and I think it becomes less about the response from people and more about the honor of what God said do. Cause I think a lot of times we like, but who gonna watch it? And how many people gonna like this? And who's gonna respond to it more so than we are about 
if God said do it. And then, yeah. Yeah. I love that too much. You said what, Daniel? I just said that's so real. (laughs) Daniel, put your phone on Do Not Disturb. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. (laughs) No, one of the things God taught me that really um, blew my mind was about, you know, the whole in the Bible about the law of sowing and reaping. And so yeah. we talk about it in like a lot of different elements, but he showed me that with obedience, that when you sow obedience, you reap obedience. You reap the harvest of someone else's obedience. And so, because at the end of the day, like even to your point, Brenda, sometimes you're like, I don't want to do this. How many people are going to see it? And we forget that the very model of Jesus is, I will leave the 99 for the one. Like Jesus, would, he's he's quick to leave the masses for what? And so when we have that mindset that what if you're called to what? What if you're not called to the, to the crowd? What if, and that's what we have to embrace. And when there's a problem embracing that, then it's time for a heart check. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Service is yeah. not about the masses service is about your heart and so whether it's in those moments of saying okay i might write a whole book and only one person gonna read it and that's perfectly fine but the beauty in who god is is that that one that one person you just transformed their life and not your obedience that sold a, 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 a you know transformation and helping to someone else now you have made yourself, you've qualified to reap someone else's obedience. And that's yeah. what it looks like when doors of favor are opened up to you because the Bible talks about how God is a just God. He's not He's not um, impartial. And so what does it look like when you see someone in your life, there's so much favor on your life. You really, I think it's having conversations with them. What is your track record of obedience? Because favor is really the harvest of someone else's obedience because God uses people to bless us. And so when some, when, when you are someone that people are just like adamant, like, oh my gosh, I want to open doors for you. What yeah. is it that you, it's, it's, it's almost a mirror to who you've been to other people in the dark. That in those moments when God is like, hey, I want you to give this money to this person. I know you don't have it, but that's your obedience in that moment. When God tells you, meet me at this time. When God tells you, um, I want you to serve in this place, even though you hate it. Because you have to understand that when you want to qualify to be favored by God, you are signing up to be favored by your enemies. That's what the Bible tells us, that he will cause your enemies to be at peace with you. What does that look like? It's higher than their natural mind. That means there's a spiritual power at work and you have to do the work on your own life. You have to be able to give in those moments where it hurts. You have to be able to obey God when you don't feel like it because what you're doing, you you are qualifying yourself to be favored. But I think that if we don't talk about it like like stuff like this gets me all passionate. We know. Preach down. Preach us down. Because we always, we're just, like, we find ourselves and we're like, God, like, why why is this not working for me? Or, you know, why are you favoring this and not this? What is your track record? That's what the Lord showed me. He said, you know, when you can look at your life and you have a track record of faithfulness in the word of God, then... Question, tell me something, child. Tell me, give me, tell me what you want, you know? But when we are so like about, like we, we complain, but then in those hearts, because when you're complaining about something, what you're really asking God is, 
where's the person that would be my bridge? Right. Because at the end of the day, God uses people to bring to bless you. So when you're complaining that, God, this is not working in my life. I don't have the job. I don't have the spouse. I don't have this. You're literally saying, God, send me someone to be a bridge to my destiny. Send me someone to be a bridge to my promise. And now we have to do this. The We have to check our lives. When have I been a bridge to someone else? And that could be through the smallest things. It could be through your kindness, through whatever form of obedience that God calls you into. And I think that that stuff is key because if not, we live this vague life and then we're easily in and out of love relationship with God because we're like, one moment I don't like you, one moment I like you, but then are you faithful? (laughs) So I I think, I mean, he's checked me sometimes. No, that's so good. No, but this idea of like the track record, it kind of puts that other point in perspective because it's like, then I can approach a thing because I I know that I've been faithful. So there's this certain level of confidence like, like, oh, God's backing me because I already know. It's like, I've been faithful. So it's like, God, there's no other expectation but for you to show up in this space, on this book, on this song, on this platform, like whatever it is. That's so good. I was gonna ask like, how do you remain faithful in the midst of the craziness, which you went right into it? Like, cause I think a lot of people feel like just because I'm justified and just because I am really, really in a bad place, I don't have to do this anymore. I never removed the call just because it got hard. I never removed the calling off of your life just because it's a struggle for you now. Like, no, like when I call you to a thing, I don't remove the call just because the going gets tough. And mm-hmm. so it's like, we feel like, well, but God, but God, they, you know, you know, it's, it, it's, this hurts. This makes, this makes me sad. This makes me cry. I don't want to be here. This and he's like, but the greatest, beautiful, like the most beautiful thing about that is you come whenever it is time to transition, you are able to transition well because you were were faithful and you stored it well, the thing that God called you know, called you to. And then the door can close and, and exactly. I think we were talking about this the other day, how you go into the next place is how you close the door in yep. the place that you're leaving yep. from. But if you squander it all and justify it because you were getting torn up and stones being thrown at you and all, all of all of these things, because it happens in life, it's a part of life. We're all human. So everybody gets offended at some point by something at some point. You know what I mean? But how you leave that place, how your hand, how you what you do with your talents determines what is on the other side of that. So that's that's very real. Now and to Dana, even to your point, I think that there we we have like our idea of the makings of purpose or the oh, making yeah. like yeah. we have this idea that because even just like the very fact that we have to say you know, just because it gets hard doesn't mean it's over. Who said it was going to be easy? That, exactly. Because it's like, what if the it's, it's those moments that actually qualify? You know, when the Bible talks yeah. about being, like when Job talked about, um, you know, being tested as gold, like going through the fire, going through yeah. the fire is what proves that gold is not wood, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so yeah. why, why is it that even we have this mindset of when something is challenging, like what if that is the very thing that causes you to become like I, 
I think for me, which is odd, but my favorite story or relationship in the Bible is the relationship Jesus had with Judas. Because you knew all along that this person is going to betray you. This person would rather see you dead for money or whatever in that moment. You, you understood that mindset, but you treated him in a way that no disciple could have ever guessed who you were talking about. Honor, Ooh, that to love. me is, is powerful because it says, why would God? It, it's, there's so much to that. that it, it, it's like, I, I feel like the story of Judah should be his, that relationship should be a whole volumes of books. No, because I'm, I think that it perfectly describes the makings of how you become. That when absolutely. you know how to navigate tension, navigate what we call hard and weird relationships and people's bad intentions and all this stuff, when you know how to navigate it and stay pure, I think that is what is gold. That is when you come out like gold. No, that's that's so true. Because that's that was my thought. It's like we have this romanticized idea. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, God's going to reveal it to me. And then I'm just going to float on and become. And it's like, no. <laughs> like it doesn't even make sense. Like nothing grows without process. Like if you think about how a flower comes from a seed to a flower, it goes through rain. It goes through like. You know, like all this stuff, it goes through weeding, it goes through separating, like all of this stuff, but then it becomes this beautiful flower. So it's like nothing go, nothing becomes without process. And I think if we start teaching purpose like that, that it has all of these steps and it has ins and outs, then people could handle it a little bit more. Like when signs of trouble, it doesn't mean, oh, maybe I missed it or maybe this was wrong. It's like I always approach anything that seems completely contradictory to the word it's like okay god what am i supposed to get out of this like who am i supposed to come from this and it's like yeah. i honestly believe the hardest time in my life birthed my purpose it's like because i also noticed what the hard moment was after and then i think once i can identify that then it's like okay this is obviously attached to something and so i do agree that it's like we don't become without the rough stuff so I have a question though. What do you tell? What are the practical ways that you guide or tell a person that, say, for instance, they've come out on the other side, but they still don't understand why they had to go through what they went through? Would you say that that was a lack of being healthy on their part, not assessing it well, or maybe they just don't need a revelation concerning the hardest part of their life? What, what would you? How would you encourage that person? What would you tell that person? I think that, I mean, like when you were saying that, no, this, because the way you were talking about that, like, I just think about light, you know, we only appreciate light because we understand darkness. And so you cannot appreciate becoming the essence that that journey of becoming Christ like, except when you are experiencing what should make you otherwise, because what we say that this happened to me, because at the end of the day, we're always going to be the, we're always going to be on the receiving end of someone's brokenness. And someone at some point in our lives will be on the receiving end of ours. It's just because we are flawed. It is, this is life. I have broken people. Other people have put their brokenness on me. You know, we've evolved and they will evolve and some of them have evolved. (laughs) And 
so I think because of that, it's not unjust. It's not that there is something that is unjust happening. I mean, there, there are certain cases that this is just flat out wrong. When you talk about sexual molestation, um, when you talk about, you know, these are things that, to be honest, like how these things happen, why they happen, and, and it's, it's beyond me, right? But I, I do believe that in the midst of that, there is a person you become. Mm-hmm. There is, when you have encountered everything that should cause you to be hate, to be, um, to, to be rage, to, be, to take on the identity of, of everything dark, and you can still fight for your life, I think that is the beauty. And I think that is the why. Because you, you to, to confidently say, I love people. For me to say that with confidence, or for me to say that I'm on this journey to be Christ-like with confidence, that means I have faced what should make me not that way. Mm-hmm. I have encountered people that should make me say, I'm over it. You know what? It's above me now. I'm done with all y'all human beings. I should have encountered that. So I think that at the end of the day, when we think of even talking about purpose, the ultimate purpose is to be like Christ. You know, that is the ultimate destination is to take on that identity. And so when we're thinking of what is the, what is the eternal picture? And if this is taking me to that eternal picture, then I believe it was worth it. And that's a very hard thing to say because everyone has different thresholds of what type of pain they've gone through. But I think that, I think that that's the answer. I think that sometimes we wrestle because we want an answer that speaks to our flesh. Oh, yeah. we, we want oh, the yeah. answer that oh, yeah. you need to tell me why you did this. But the truth is some people don't know how to answer that. I've done things to people in my earlier years in high school and yeah, college. Way back. That if you're trying to understand why I did that, there's no answer. I, I, I don't. I can't give you what you need to heal because all I can give you is that I was broken, and that's not enough for you. What you want is this layout, break it down. Why me? Why? And I, I don't have that for you. <laughs> I can give you're you my right. apology. And the truth is we have to be okay when someone is not at the level of to apologize because they're still on their journey. And so I think that for me, if it helps me to become to the ultimate destination, then as painful as it is, and even though sometimes you may not be okay with it, it's worth it because that's your ultimate destination. I was going to say it's not as easy as us explaining it in this conversation. Not Mm-mm. What we carry and what we embody, sometimes if you're not careful, it can literally reshape the way you operate in the universe. Mm-hmm. You from that pain because you didn't get an apology from your father or or from that guy you were dating or that woman you were dating or, you know, your sister, whoever hurt you. We if we're not careful enough, we'll love from that place. We'll build from that place. We'll, it, this fight or flight becomes our destiny. And the reality is, like you're saying, it's like, though it is, it is, I've been through it myself. It is painful to get to the place. But once you get to that space of freedom, like, I'm okay with or without an apology. I'm okay with or without an explanation. I'm fine. Like, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's a different place. It's, be- it's better. It's better to fight through it. You don't have to. 
<laughs> but it's better to fight through that those emotions and get to the heart of it. Can I? How? How is this in comparison to me in pursuit of trying to live like Christ? Mm-hmm. And if you far away, child, you got some some work to do. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. And to answer your first question, I think it's just I think it's a journey because in the middle of what I was going through, I didn't didn't understand it, didn't know why, didn't want to know why. Like, but I think as I went on the process to understanding that I needed to heal and then acknowledging the feelings, then the further along in the journey, still even now today, I'm still learning like how big of a role that played in, like Stephanie said, the bigger picture. And so I maybe not rushing, I think look less for the answers and more for like the the healing of it. Cause I think it was in my healing that the answers came. Like I wasn't, cause the, I think the longer I kept asking why, I couldn't focus on what happened, you know, like, or how I evolved or because I was so busy trying to figure out why it happened. And then when I stopped and said, okay, but why did this happen? Like for me. And so I think instead of trying to figure out why someone did something to me, figuring out, okay, what, how have I evolved? How have I become? Like, how does this play a role in the bigger part of me? And so I think too, we can't do it aside from God. Like it's not a journey to take apart from God. Because it's through the Holy Spirit that those things are revealed. And so it's like through relationship and understanding who God is and, and trying to navigate being angry at him. And yeah. like all of this, it's like it's so many parts to it. But I think once I let go of trying to get an explanation on why the human people who out of their brokenness broke me and started to try to see it clearly, like almost taking myself out of the situation and looking at it from the outside in and then started to take this journey of healing, then then the answer started coming. Yeah, because I feel like too, if we're really honest with ourselves, there's a piece of brokenness that's already kind of living in there. And I think when we get in those scenarios, it it kind of magnifies or uproots or adds to whatever was already kind of like it was a crack in the dough. Now it's wide open, you know what I mean? And so at the very end of it, and I feel like over time you're able to identify like uh, I was already kind of weak in that space and now it's like intensified because of someone else's brokenness partner with mine. And I think when you get to a space in life, like PT always says, our pastor, he always says um, purpose is not a destination. It's this journey. You're always evolving. And if you get in the, like, I feel like arriving to, I mean, wholeness is not uh, a destination. It's a journey. And I think when you get, I think for me, true wholeness is like kind of what Pastor Stephanie said at the beginning of this conversation. It's self-awareness. I think if there were ever a destination for wholeness, it's that. Because as long, because things are going to happen every single moment of your life. Tomorrow, we don't even know what it holds. But if you have this healthy exercise of, hmm, what happened today? How did I handle what happened today? How can I handle that better? You are then in a space where that brokenness doesn't have to be that cracked door but it's something you can identify like that's that cracked door and if I'm in these type of scenarios this opens out wider how can I heal that you know what I mean it's just this this ongoing relationship with yourself yeah you know before you're in relationships with friends and mates and all these other things having a healthy relationship with you I think plays a major role in it too Absolutely. And I think even just trusting God with your brokenness. Absolutely. Because it's like, 
I think sometimes we wrestle with both sides of us, right? Because there are people watching and you love the Lord and you know, you just, you're, you're after the heart of Jesus. And there are moments where your thoughts can be very dark. And it doesn't mean you're not whole. It just means that wholeness in that moment is trusting God with that thought. Mm-hmm. Because there are things that you go through in life and your idea of revenge is dark, you know? Yeah. But when you can trust God with what that looks like, in that moment, you're exchanging that pain for his love to come in you know that sometimes people wrestle with those moments of like but i feel like this and i'm and i'm thinking this but it's like just put it in god's hands you know trust him talk to him you know no that's so real because it's like we gotta be honest with god and hold two sides it is it's like a part of me feels less like a believer because I feel this way. So right. it's like, I really go accept me this way. And I think that that's the amazing thing about God is that, first of all, number one, he already knows. Right. <laughs> that should take a whole load off. It's like, he already knows, but it's like, he wants you to share that with him so that he can heal it. And it's like, we gotta, we have to learn to trust him, not just with our purpose and our future, but also with the most broken parts of ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. You have final thoughts? This is great. I love y'all. I love you too. No, I had a final thought. Wait, wait, I was going to say something before you give your final message. I was going to say that I'm so honored that the illustrious Pastor Jaina, who travels the world, could stop by my little old podcast <laughs> and be a guest and the pastor Stephanie I mean she's about to be in London you know next week <laughs> honestly pastor Brenda no not says Brenda pastor I am Brenda Palmer uh-uh. Pastor, I Take this voice off. Pastor, Pastor A. Actually, I need to look serious. Hallelujah. Oh, ooh, you yeah, know yeah, what? Yeah. Was, when you just went this way, I was so afraid that you were going to fall. Oh, well, you were afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Brandon Palmer. I can't wait. You Tomorrow we should go get in a K-New. Oh, that's beautiful. And <laughs> have a successful time. <laughs> a successful time. You know what? Okay, what's your final thought, for real? My final thought is, Brenda, I am so proud of you. I am so extremely proud of you. Please move this braid, Stephanie. I am so extremely proud of you. Be serious. I understood. I walked with you, both Pastor Stephanie and I literally walked you through the ups, the downs, the should I, should I not, the what if, maybe it's not, oh my God. And I mean, I can, I feel like we've all single-handedly helped each other in those moments on every part of our journey or, you know, more obviously more recent times of our parts of our journey. But the fact that you made it past all the questions and just did, I'm extremely proud of you. Like, it's hard to just do, and you did. I mean, and what a way, what a beautiful way to, you know, close this whole thing out, you know? Yes. Fast friends. But on a very, very serious note, I'm incredibly proud of you. 
and I love you. Love you too, best friend. So Dana is the vulnerable one out of all three of us. <laughs> yes, I am. I love love, and they are so hard to be friends with. So let's say, Brenda, I'm proud of you. One line. She knows me very deep. Yeah. It it goes. Goes. It's so annoying. It goes. Somebody rescue me. Because Dana is the cry. You cry. You cry. Yeah, Dana. Brown was crying. And Brenda and I, we were like, this is how it happened. Like, because it happened so quick. Like, she was so passionate, but I didn't think she was gonna cry. And she was like, yeah, because you know. <laughs> we looked at each other like we should touch a shit. We are moving so slow. It was like I think I should give her some tissue. It just definitely was like I think I should rub her shoulder. <laughs> it was such a slow reaction. I was like, imagine. Then are you crying? Like I don't know. being extremely emotional. <laughs> Difficult touch being your love language, and you're dealing with two. <laughs> it's it's a lot. You are a lot, but we love you. But you it's you okay? Because I see you, you have you enough cry. emotion and for I see you cry. I see you have cry. You see who cry? Both y'all. You never seen cry. I cry in I the have. presence of the Lord. No, Stephanie, because <laughs> <laughs> the Lord showed up. I got a good moment. Oh, let's not talk about it. Are you a you want to talk about how you cried, huh? You want to talk about that? <laughs> what? Is this life over? It's over an hour. <laughs> no, that is funny to me. Okay. Y'all be serious. Gosh. Okay. Um, Pastor Stephanie, I think you should close us out and pray here. I mean, this is who we are. So we'll laugh, we'll talk, we'll do all that stuff. But the conversation today, I know for a fact that it definitely um, brought some things to the surface because we're talking about things from years of healing, years of the journey, like a journey, the journey through wholeness. So we're talking about it in like within what, 60 minutes, but this is things that happened over 60 months. <laughs> and so I think at the end of the day, um, you know, however God is speaking to your life through this conversation, just to know that you know, you're in his hands. At the end of the day, you're in the hands of God and he got you. You're not in this thing by yourself and just embracing. I think one of the most powerful things we can ever do as believers is to unlearn because what keeps us stuck is how we feel life should be, how we have, what we have learned from society, what we've learned from our upbringing and all of that. So when you embrace unlearning, when you embrace that, oh, it doesn't have to look like this for me to say yes or for me to, you know, continue for me to drive, you know, drive the vision and all that stuff. But I think that your process and your commitment to just saying, God, I will forever be a child before you is the most powerful thing that you can ever be, the most powerful place you can ever be in your life. So I want to pray from that. I want to pray that whatever in your life that, you know, would would require you to unlearn in order to renew your mind, um, that the spirit of the Lord would just give you the grace to do that and to just know that, you know, pace is grace. Pace is grace. But let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, for conversations, oh God. We thank you. It's, it, it was conversations like this, Lord Jesus, that you were having with disciples, you were having with the people. It was conversations that brought change. It was conversations that brought transformation. It was conversations that built them up to become who you've called them to be. And so we just thank you for this very conversation, Lord God, that we can, you know, just be our full self, Lord God. We can talk about our passion and our love for you, and we can laugh about most moments and all these things, Lord God. And we thank you for everyone who is watching and everyone who would watch this, oh God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are not limited. You are not cons- you are not um, bound by space or time, but Lord God, that you would use this and you would use it to dig in the hearts of your people. Lord God, that you would break every callous heart, oh God. That I thank you, Lord Jesus, that healing will spring forth, Lord God, that they would be on this journey to wholeness. And I thank you that if there's a key takeaway that they can take from this is seeing you as the destination, seeing you as destiny. Lord, knowing that at the end of the day, my life makes sense when I'm on that journey to be more like Christ. And so Lord God, embracing that everything that has happened in their lives, Lord God, that they will see through the lens of becoming like you. And so Heavenly Father, we just say thank you. Continue to have your way. We love you, Jesus. And thank you for everything that took place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You better sing. Uh-uh. And Dana better dance to your song. Wow. <laughs> What's that? Mm-hmm. I guess we were one serious question in the group. Stephanie bought to these glasses. (laughs) You signed out five times throughout. So it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Everybody know I'm out. Stephanie. (laughs) To the world. I was about to say I'm sorry, but we are not. This is not. This is um, this is us. If you ever if you ever wondered what what happens when we all get together, if you ever wondered, <laughs> this is the very and this is basement right. of what really because we only fell out laughing two times. That's right, and that is that's well. This is us, guys. (laughs) I hope that you enjoyed episode 10. Maybe you got a takeaway. Maybe you feel encouraged to get healing or pursue your purpose. Or maybe it brought you clarity, wisdom. If anything, I hope it brought you just a breath of fresh air. And I hope that you enjoy your tribe and appreciate your tribe as much as I do. This has been episode 10, Life in Perspective. I love you guys. And we'll be right back here next week. Holla.